today's psalm is, is very fitting for communion. Um, it has been called by just about everybody who's written any kind of um, commentary on it. It's been called the Psalm of the Cross. Uh, originally, it was written by David, King David, when he was going through a massive storm in his life. Um, but it actually ends up being prophetic because it, it ends up being about Jesus. Jesus in the most intense storm he ever faced on, on, in his time on earth. Um, many theologians, many pastors, including me, believe that Jesus actually prayed this entire psalm on the cross. Um, Matthew and Mark, in their accounts of the crucifixion, uh, they, they bring the psalm up, and, and the, the Bible has a way of doing this, of giving us the highlights, but there's so much of this psalm in, in what Jesus quotes that it is very highly likely that, that he prayed this entire psalm while he was hanging on the cross. Um, this is also a psalm that captures how we feel when we go through some of the intense storms of our lives. And what's so beautiful about it is when you get to the end of it, it, it really does um, speak to the questions that we ask in storms. If God shows up in those times, and it goes on to, to really say how God shows up. So hopefully that has sparked your interest. Let me now read to you Psalm 22, 1 through 19. Hear this psalm through the lens of all that, the backdrop of all that. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you don't answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you, they cried out, and they were saved. In you, they trusted, and they were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned, by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you, and from my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey open, their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it is melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord... Do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we cannot miss the tone 
the emotion in this passage. And Father, I thank you today for, for the connection that this passage has to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for, for the pain that it represents. It helps us to identify, to see, to know, to appreciate what you've done. And so, Father, here we are, too, with, with storms in our lives. Father God, we ask you to speak deeply to our hearts. Holy Spirit, to minister life and healing to us. And we thank you that, that God, through your word, through, by your spirit, you love to make us new. You love to bring us to life. And we welcome that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, this is a psalm. I probably don't have to, to point this out. Obviously, that begins as a lament. Um, for me, studying this this week, the anxiety and the agony of this, this psalm, it just hits you like a tidal wave. Um, it, it's impossible to miss. And, and I did a little research. I have no idea what David was going through. Um, we all know David had some low moments. David had some battles. David had some sin. He had storms. Which one this is, I don't know. But, but let me read this. David, uh, Robert Godfrey says this. He says, David is expressing his own experience of feeling abandoned by God. This is the most intense suffering God's servant can know. Not just that enemies surround uh, and that his body is in dreadful pain, but that he feels that God does not hear him and does not care about his suffering. Wow. Has anybody, and you don't have to raise your hand, have you ever felt that in the middle of a storm? Have you ever been in a season in your life, had a moment in your life when it, it just, it feels like you're all alone? You're, you're, you're pounding on the door of heaven. The only thing you can hear are just the echoes of, of your own fist poundings on the inside. I tell you, I know I've felt that before in my life. But when Jesus prays this, it's a little different, isn't it? I mean, Jesus here is obviously going through the physical pain of crucifixion. I mean, we know how torturous that was. But, but even worse, Jesus is feeling exactly what Godfrey points to, what David expresses. He is feeling separation from God. And despite the physical pain, I believe that's the real agony of this psalm. That, that, that's the taproot of, of, of his anxiety and his distress in this moment. And y'all, what Jesus is feeling here, Jesus is feeling the effects of sin. He's feeling the devastation of sin. He is bearing the sins of humanity on that cross. Not, not just the sins that he, he, he knows about in the moment that he's seen, but the sins of all time past. Every sin to come. Play your own highlight reel. Jesus is bearing that on the cross. And just in a nutshell, the, the, the wages of sin, the payout, the paycheck for sin, we know what Scripture says. It's, it's eternal death without exception. You know, we, on, and we've talked about this before, but every one of us, we are born into a world of sin. We are born into sin, and we are born sinners. And, and we, we, we can't dispute that because we all go on to sin in many ways, many creative ways, you know, big sins, little sins, some of the things we do, some of the things that are done by humanity, they make everybody's top 10 list, right? They're, they're scandalous, we would agree. But there's, there's a whole nother group of sins to, to many of us that are they're, they're kind of exceptional. 
You know, they're not exceptional. They're kind of acceptable. They're no big deal. We shrug them off. But in the end, all sin leads to separation from God. It all leads to death. And despite how we would kind of like, you know, want to two-step it and squirm, you know, cast the blame somewhere else on the devil or whatever, all sin is our doing. Psalm 22 draws us into the reality of sin and its impact on Jesus at the crucifixion. Y'all, for Jesus Christ, this is the first and the only time he ever experiences sin like this, on himself, on the cross, for the world to see. I mean, that the sting of death, Jesus is feeling it on the cross, that separation. And now he is crying out to God in the agony of what it means to be sinful. That's just the first two verses. I mean, what an opening, right? What an impact. But then something happens, okay? We get to verses three through five, and there is a shift in the psalm, okay? And by the way, this is a pattern all throughout Scripture. And the pattern is this. You'll find somebody in the older the New Testament crying out to God in, in, in just, just in, in, in all the agony, all the anxiety. I mean, everything within them is crying out to God in pain. And then time and time again, they'll have this moment when they stop and they look back at who God has been in the past. That's verses, verses 3 through 5. Lord, there's never been a time, as I look back, when people trusted you. They put their trust in you and you failed them. There's never been a time when people cried out from the heart and you didn't deliver them from our troubles. You always hear. You always respond. And now, while this has been true historically, right, while, while this we, we know this is true, deliverance and salvation rarely happen the American way. Uh, what's the American way? In an instant, just like that. So in the midst of this prayer, we have to realize David is still in the middle of his storm, and so is Jesus in the crucifixion. They're in the midst of their raging storms. And for Jesus, we know what the storm is, right? We, we got the first wave of this storm is the agony of separation. But, but as David writes and as Jesus quotes, that there's another element of this storm that for Jesus is just gut-wrenching, and it is the shame of the crucifixion, the actual shame of it. Matthew in, in chapter 27, Mark in, in verse 15 they tell us what, what that was, was like in, in real time back then. You know, for, for Jesus, it's, it's that sign that's been hung on the cross. All hail King Jesus, the King of the Jews. It's all those people walking by him as he's, as, as he's up there, you know, for the sins of the world saying, look at this guy. He saved others, right? He can't even save himself. Jesus Come down from the cross, and then we'll all believe in you. So you put those two together, right? The separation and, and, and the, uh, just, just that, that incredible embarrassment, the shame of the cross. And it, it, it's a devastating moment in the life of Jesus. But here is when things begin to, to change, and we see how David and we see how Jesus navigated the spiritual storm. 
You know, we, we, we read on verses 9 and 10, and we, we kind of see them both look up from the wind and the waves back to God. There's this beautiful moment of confession, even in the middle of this. God, you brought me out of the womb. God, you gave me life. You made me trust you. And that, that doesn't mean that God wrenched David's arm up behind his back or forced Jesus to trust, but it's, it's you've proven yourself. You've shown me that you're trustworthy. My, my, my heart trusts in you. From my mother's womb, you have been, and here it is, my God. Not a distant cosmic God, not everybody else's God, not the God of, of worship services and then there's the rest of the week. You have been my God. So it's a beautiful confession. So what they're doing is that they're just returning to the knowledge that God has always been present. God, God has always been God, even in the midst of this pain, even in the midst of this storm, he is God and he is right here. And that then leads in this psalm to the prayer request, to the bottom line prayer request in the moment. And um, it is from, from, from the depth of the heart. And by the way, I highly recommend this prayer to you. When you find yourself in a storm, when, when, when there's nothing you can do to fix it, um, when you're in your trial, God, even though the storm continues to rage and enemies surround me, God, even though I cannot make it stop, oh Lord, my strength, do not be far off. Come quickly, deliver me, rescue me, save me. I wanna pause for a minute and uh, recap and just make this personal as much as we can this morning before we finish up. We have all been in storms, okay, that have left us feeling something like this. And I know there's a tendency on the part of us, you know, we, we always do this. Well, I can't compare my storm to the crucifixion. I can't compare my storm to the storm David went through. Don't do that. Your storm is your storm. The effects that happen, they're real. I mean, there are times when life just leaves us feeling battered and bruised and beaten down, realizing that there's no way out of this if God doesn't come through, if God doesn't show up. Folks, Psalm 22, one of the beautiful things about it is that David and Jesus are telling us that the way of religion is wrong. Okay, the way of just, you know, cleaning up, you know, uh, kind of presenting your, your best day. I know you've all had this happen to you before. You know, you're on the way to work with, or on the way to church with the family. Everybody's fighting all the way to church, right? But you get to church and brother, how are you? Praise God, I'm doing great, you know? Or, or your life is falling apart. And you show up and here's the image, here's the face. What Psalm 22 tells us is that agony and distress they aren't wrong. They're real. They're emotions God gave us to, to, to go through the storms. And what I love about this psalm is that it just says to me all week long, and this is what got me this week, is that real faith recognizes God in the storm. It just looks up to God alone in the storm. That's what real faith does. Sometimes real faith is just about holding on to God with the very last ounce of your strength. Have you ever felt that way? 
You know, you say, oh, you're holding on to the rope with one, with one hand, you know, with a pinky and a finger. Folks, that is the stuff of real faith. Real faith is having to look back in your life to, to remind yourself that God has been faithful, that God came through before, so we can hope and believe that God will come through again in this storm. But there is that question, right? There, there, there's the big question here, and the big question is in the midst of the storm, will he? Will God show up? Will God deliver? You know, God came through in times past for our ancestors or me when I was a younger, thinner version of myself, but will he come through right now, right here? The word of God says that God is love, but does God love me? I mean, we feel that way. So now listen to the end of Psalm 22. All right? It ends not in agony, but... Well, I'll let you decide. Listen to this. You who fear the Lord, praise him, honor him, revere him, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face, but he has listened to his cry for help. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. For power and dominion belongs to the Lord. He rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. How's that, right? This psalm, okay, now, now let's, let's review. This psalm began as a Cat 5 hurricane, right? An F5 tornado. It ends in a personal experience of God's peace his power, and his provision. It ends up in God's mercy and grace being poured all over the storm. And I will tell you this, okay, full disclosure, I have been praying for some of you in the room that I know are going through personal storms, that you would experience God pouring his grace and his mercy all over your impossible situations. That's the promise of God. As the God of love moves in, and there's no question that you got delivered and you got rescued. Now, in the case of Jesus Christ, who paid the death penalty on the cross for, for our sins, it's finished, right? Jesus said that himself, it is finished. The destruction of sin has been broken in our lives. He's done it. Now, all who receive, and hear this on a communion Sunday, all who receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and embrace his forgiveness, um, they're rescued from sin and death. Hear that. If that's you today, you've never done that before. Man, what a great time to do that. What a great day to wake up to the fact that Christ can make you new, and you can celebrate that right here with us. Real peace and rescued followed the storm of crucifixion, of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. God raised Jesus from the dead and we are saved. 
We are no longer spiritually poor. We're no longer bankrupt. We're no longer orphans. We're no longer afflicted. Our hearts are fed. They're restored. They're filled again and satisfied. We, we are no longer wasted. We are no longer wandering. We are loved by God, and we get to love him back in a life of worship. But still there are those storms now. And sometimes we still ask ourselves, is all of it really necessary? I mean, God, couldn't you do this without the storms? I thought about that a lot this week. You know, Lord, couldn't we just get there without going through this? And folks, I, I really believe the, the answer is no, we couldn't. I believe the storms in our life are necessary. I believe they're worth it because without the storm, I don't think the love of God would be real to us. I don't think it would be love uh, uh, real through it. I, I'll, I'll give you an example, okay? One of the storms in my life, all right, personal, personal moment here, one of the storms in my life has been a person, okay? Where is Donnie? No, uh, no, it's, it's been a person uh, in a church, okay? So this is a person in, in a church that I once pastored. Um, this man in our church, he was a mover and a shaker, okay? I mean, he, he, was, a, he, he was big time in the church. Um, he was a leader in the church. Uh, he was a former missionary, and he was incredibly emotionally unhealthy. That's a disaster every time. You know, strong religion and spiritual and emotional unhealth. Well, and, and of course, when you've got that combo, that is, speaking of storms, that's a storm of brewing, okay? So, um, of course, something happened. I had to deal with it. And what happened is this man, in, in you know, just in this place he was in, this woundedness in his life, he ended up worship up. He ended up wounding some younger worshipers profoundly with his religious arrogance. They were worshiping God, you know, as, as, as a younger generation. He tore them to shreds. And he did it in a way that was public. It was hurtful. And, it, and so I had to rightly and lovingly, gently and firmly, I had to call him out. And just so you know, I called him out behind closed doors. I didn't want to shame him. I sat down with him with an elder, and we talked to him, and I just said, brother, come on, let's reason together. You, you got to see this. You got to repent of this. We, we've got to make this right. He was having none of it. Steve, how dare you speak to me like that? How dare, I mean, just on and on. He's a brick wall. He was a brick wall. And um, for the next five years, he regularly wrote me letters telling me what a false shepherd I was, how he was praying for my soul, that I wasn't saved, that I had no business being your pastor and your shepherd. I prayed for him. I forgave him, sometimes with clenched teeth, you know. I did, and, and I really tried to love him back, but nothing, nothing, okay? So I saw him 12 days ago at our national EPC meeting. I saw him across the room, and he saw me. And the daggers that he stared at me across that room, and I just thought to myself, oh God, and I was having such a good day. <laughs> and the Lord spoke to my heart in that moment, and he said, I'm gonna break this right now. I'm gonna end this right now. And I thought, okay, 
again, we got to be honest here. I thought, hallelujah, it's lightning bolt day. Get him, God. <laughs> and you know what the Lord did? The Lord reminded me of myself. And he said, you know, Steve, you, you have walked this planet as, as a sinner. You've judged people wrongly. You've jumped to conclusions. And what is it that set you apart? It's, it's my love and my grace, my mercy, my forgiveness in your life. And then the Lord prompted me to do something I never would have dreamed up in a million years. It was so brilliant. I, the only God could have thought of this. So I walked across the room to him, and he's, you know, he's ready for me. He's like, oh, you want to go? Let's go. So I walk across the room to him, and I threw my arms around him, and I held him tight. And he tried to wiggle out. You know, he's trying to break free. Y'all, God gave me the, the strength of the Hulk. I had him locked in a grizzly bear hug. And I leaned into his ear and I said, in the name of Jesus, I love you, man. I love you. I love you. I love you. And then I walked away. Every time I saw him for the next three days, he was like, Steve, my man, <laughs> Pastor Steve. It was, it was incredible. And so in very simplest terms, I just want to say this. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's why Jesus went to the cross, to deal with what's got us, to give us an experience of his love that is so big that we can love the vilest sinner. That's what we used to be. That's why he went to the cross, to make love real. And I believe without, without Christ going to the cross, without us going through storms in our lives, the love of God is nothing more than a theory, a fable. It's just a tagline. But thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the storms where we get to identify with him. Our God is so good. His love is so big. Again, to steal from you guys, our sin was great. His love was greater. Let me pray for us. Oh, God, how great you are. I, I am astounded at how much you love us. I'm, I'm astounded by how far you came down to this earth to meet us. I'm astounded that the kingdom of God is, um, oh, you make it real. And Lord, to belong to you is, is more than we could, we could ever, we, we could just never repay it, God. And we thank you that we get to celebrate communion. And we just ask that, that Father God, you would truly, as we've been doing through the sermon series, reorient our hearts. Oh, Father God, reorient our hearts toward you. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that love. Fill those hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen.